Welcome to HBRV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host, the Honey Badger, giving it to you straight in the RV business, as always. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, I go over a lot of topics dealing with camping, the RV business, how to buy an RV, and this comes from 13 years of being in the RV business itself. Very interesting, some of the topics that people want me to discuss that are on the dealership side. It's very interesting to hear the different, oh God, how do I put it? Like the different mixed bag of opinions about what's going on. Here's what I do know. I do know that you, the consumer, really control this market. You control most of the spending period. Whether it's Bud Light, which everybody seems to be protesting. Whether it's a cup of tea, cup of coffee at your local Starbucks. Uh, Maybe it's a brand new car. Maybe it's a brand new travel trailer or truck camper. Reality is, is the consumer controls everything that has to do with the market. And I believe what's kind of happened, because I've heard a lot of complaints from customers. You know, even though I haven't done a podcast episode in about a month, and even though I haven't really paid attention to the YouTube channel too much, doesn't mean that I don't get emails or comments on all the social media platforms or direct messages that... How do I put this politically correct? Basically, they feel like they're not taken care of. It seems like consumers of all kind, including business owners, feel like they're not being taken care of. And a lot of that stems from COVID-19. COVID-19 ruined a lot of companies, ruined a lot of workers, It ruined a lot of things that can come back and probably will come back, but it'll take time. Let's be honest with ourselves. During the Great Recession, so President Obama gets elected, does all the right things to get us out of the recession. Took us three and a half years to get out of the recession. It took us less than a year to get into it. Now, I know there's other things that are involved, but let's be real. From In 2007, outside of a handful of people, maybe three or four people, everything was good. Then within a year, boom, OA happens. And now, obviously, there's more to it than that, but it's just an example of how quickly things can turn especially if you don't have the foresight for the future. So I had this great conversation with a good friend of mine on my way home from California. I'm driving along. We talked for like an hour and 15 minutes. And he said, 
You know, there was big, big price cuts in 2009. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. I go, oh, okay. You know, that, that's why there's not as much inventory out there right now because they're all waiting for that big price cut. So what I did was I pulled over and I started having lunch. And if you know me personally, and you've known me more than five years... You know I keep records on things. I keep notes. I de keep detailed notes about trends and pricing and everything else. <clears throat> so I reminded him. I sent him a, um, a clip of all the pricing from 2007 to 2011 from the factory. Not from the dealership, from the factory. And the manufacturers that are still in business today, pricing did nothing but go up since I got in this business. So unofficially, I got in this business at the tail end of 2008, officially at the beginning of 2009. At the end of 2008, I worked a show <clears throat> where we were selling a um, Keystone Springdale. It was a 25 RLS. It was the most stripped down thing you could possibly get. I mean, it didn't even have a furnace. It was a 25 foot trailer with a slide out, no furnace, no outside shower, <laughs> no black tank flush. It didn't even have pass through storage, guys. It didn't even have an outside storage door. It was a dinette in the back, a couch in the slide. And a walk-around queen bed up front with a small kitchen with a couple cabinets and a little bit of counter space. We were selling that unit at the end of 2008 for $89.95. It was a leader coach. It was one of those that dealers bought to get people in the door and they go, oh my God, there's nothing to this. Do we sell our fair share of them? Of course. In 2010, that same trailer went up $3,000. I'm going to repeat that again. $3,000. Increasing ever since. <clears throat> when a manufacturer has a price decrease, it generally is because an appliance went down. Shipping went down. Overall, there is no... Um, there is no 50% price cut because there's a recession. The only time anything gets price cut like that is when you have vendors that cut their prices. So the guys that are the, the wholesale, wholesale, wholesale end are making all the money. The guys that sell the refrigerators, the guys that sell the wood, the guys that sell the glue... The guys that sell the tires, those guys are making tons of money still. They will never go out of business. And they will continue to charge what they charge to the manufacturers of everything. Cars, trailers, boats. So there, there, is, there is a fallacy out there that prices are going to get cut dramatically on the manufacturing side it's not shipping might go down 
So you might see in some cases stuff that's built in Indiana or built in Boston, Massachusetts, shipped out to Texas as an example. You may see a decrease in price, but that'll come from how much it costs to ship it. But the, the dramatics are not going to occur. I hate to break it to you guys, but they're just not going to. Now, here is what has changed. Dealership profit margin. That's changed. Now, there, there are some dealers out there. God, God bless you guys for trying to make the same profit you were making during COVID. Totally get it. If I were a business owner, I would try to try and make as much money as I could too. But there are dealers out there that do understand that this is a buyer's market. And they'd rather, okay, so I'm going to take a pay cut this year and possibly in 2024. But I want to increase my market share. And that's what's occurring. Several of uh, my dealer friends have are on both sides. I have one of my dealer friends that says there's no way he's going to cut his margins down. It's not his fault that prices have gone up. Why should he suffer? I get it. 200% get it. People have high overheads, got to pay people. The only way you can pay people is if you make money totally understand and then i have dealer friends of mine on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're like man let's just sell as many trailers as many fifth wheels as many motorhomes as we can every single month we're not going to lose a deal and let's see what happens and that's the attitude i would have if i was going to go back into the dealership Which is a possibility, folks. More on that later. But it's if I were on the dealership side, I would stop worrying about what the gross profit of a deal is and start worrying about how many trailers did I sell this month? How many used trailers did I buy? How many consignments do I have? How do I move inventory quicker? How do I get the consumer to be attracted to a price point with interest rates being high? Now you, the consumer, need to understand something. A lot of you are under this impression that interest rates are high. <laughs> interest rates are not high. Now, a lot of you are going to turn off the podcast and, oh, God, that guy's full of crap. Okay, that's your prerogative. But if you want to be educated and get all the information humanly possible, you're going to listen to this next segment. Interest rates are not high. Interest rate rates were high in the 1970s, the 1980s, part of the 1990s and during the Great Recession. And here, let me explain. So in 2009, 
okay? When a, when when I was working at shows, I I always asked the trend, and I always asked because I was waiting for rates to come down. But I always ask, what do I quote customers when they're an 800 FICO? So 800, putting a lot of money down, what do I quote them? John, you quote them 12 years, 16.95%. And my first thought in my head is nobody's going to buy at 16.95. Boy, was I wrong. Because people were used to paying higher interest rates than they are now. So we had a 10-year run where it was just, if you weren't selling RVs, it was because you're a knucklehead. If you were a dealership that was going out of business or on the verge of going out of business from 2012 to 2022, you're a bad business person. Something went wrong where you're not doing the right things because interest rates were stupid low. Even in 2015, 2016, when rates were in the 6 and 7% range, people were still out buying. So interest rates have nothing to do with the RV purchase. It's just an excuse. And folks, if you're listening to this and you're a consumer and you're worried about the interest rate, Realistically, you should have bought three or four years ago when the rates were artificially low. This is what normal should be. The normal that I was brought into for the first three years of this business was double-digit interest rates. So when I hear dealership friends of mine, finance managers, and oh, rates are at like 10 and 11% for an 800 score, that's what I was working with. Back in 2009, 10, and 11, folks, if anybody got like a 799 back then, it was a stroke of luck. Most of the time, and I looked at this, I, I, kept, I kept a record of my average deals every month. I did it because I wanted to get better. The average interest rate that I sold a customer Back in 2010, the full year I was in this business, was 14%. And I sold a lot of great great credit customers. 14%. Average term was 10 years. Now, what's interesting about that is that when, in, and I've said this a million times in the last year, when interest rates are high, Profits at the dealership are low. I'm going to repeat that again. When interest rates are higher, dealer profits are lower. When, when the interest rates come down, they come down next year, the year after, year after that, dealer profits are going to go up. So it was very interesting that people that came back to buy from me, that bought in 2000, into 2009 through middle of 2011, you want know the interesting part of the whole situation was? They weren't buried in their trades. Now, some of them were because they bought a unit that 
the factory went out of business, so obviously the book value is terrible. But in all reality, if you bought a unit that's still being built today or the manufacturer's still in business today, a Forest River product, a Coachman product, back then, you were pretty darn close to even. And that's because dealerships' profit margins were way low. I mean, we're talking about, I was shocked at how many businesses didn't go belly up because there was no money being made. But they made it up on volume. They made it up on parts. They made it up on service. These are guys that knew how to make money in several different ways. They just wanted the customer. If they could get the customer, they could keep the cash flow going through the dealership. Without the customer, there is no dealership. Period. So folks, when you're sitting here complaining to somebody about eight, nine, nine, or nine and a half, and you are older than 50 years old, or you're older than 40, go sit down and if you can find it, go look at your mortgage rate in the early 2000s. Go look at your first RV. If you're a boomer, if you're a baby boomer, go look at your first RV payment stub, whether you bought a boat, whether you bought a, a sand car, doesn't matter. Go, go look at it and go look at what the interest rate was back then. Here I go, wow. For you millennials, Generation Z, Folks, this is normal. Not what you want to hear, but this is normal. Nobody taught you economics 101. It was the interest rates were artificially low for years. It's why the average savings account was almost nothing. People were like I'm getting 0.9% on an interest rate on a savings account. Get the heck out of here. They go invested in something. That's why the stock market's as high as it is. If the stock, it, l l let's just use logic for a minute. If I told you today for the last 10 years, you were going to get 5% in a savings account. Would you risk your money in the stock market? Or would you take the 5% a year? Majority of you are going to go, I'm going to take the 5%. It's FDIC insured. So because interest rates are so low, many people got into the stock market. Because there was no balance left. Why would I put it lock up my money for three years for 1% or less than 1% on a CD? So interest rates were artificially low. When I got my first ever savings account, I was getting 4.75% APR, AYP, sorry, annual yield per year. My first car, it was a 2000, it was the first car I ever bought. It was a 1999 uh, Toyota Tacoma. It was the first one I ever bought on credit. It was a used one. It's three years old. I had good credit, good score. My interest rate was 7%. That was at my own credit union. 
when I bought my first house, the interest rate was over 6%. It was a fixed rate. I had good credit. I put good money down. Everything was perfect and lined up. My grandparents' first interest rate on their home in Orange County was 19% on a mortgage. 19%, folks. My grandfather's first motorhome purchase was a Road Trek motorhome. These people are 800 credit. They got quoted 8.5% from the dealership and 8.99. This is back in 1999, folks. 8.99 through their own credit unions. And my grandmother had four different banks look at it. And they took the dealership at 8.5. So, folks, stop worrying about the interest rate. The interest rate, the only thing it affects is what you can buy, which is a good thing. Most people don't understand how good of a thing it really is. Okay? When, when interest rates, so this is how silly things got. So I worked for Giant RV for years, and I sold a lot of landmark Bighorn fifth wheels. I sold a lot of Cyclone toy haulers. I sold a lot of big ticket items that were huge money. Now, back then, 70000 75 grand was huge money for a fifth wheel. Even for a fifth wheel toy hauler. So let me give you a skinny on that. When I would sell a $75,000 unit of any kind in 2010 or 11. The people generally had to make $100,000 a year to qualify for that loan. And that's because interest rates were high. So it balanced. Like, okay, so you're going to buy something at seventy five grand, You make 25% more than that before taxes to have that loan. People that were making forty grand a year, forty-five grand a year, were not buying $75,000 loans. Because when you were at 10, 11, 12, 13%, it put the payment way out of whack of what your income is. So it's forcing you, the consumer, to buy down to what you really can afford. For some of you that make 50 grand a year, it means you're going to look for something that's a $300, $350 payment, which means we're back to buying something between 25 and 30 grand. That's what it was when I first got into this business. It's all a cycle. And then you work your way up. You start putting a little more money away. You start going, man, that 350 payment's easy. And you know what? We just saved up $5,000 and we got this trailer. Now I think we're ready for the fifth wheel because now we know we can pay down the loan. And the bank knows you can pay down the loan. <clears throat> well, when rates were at 2.99 and you could get a $400 payment on a $100,000 fifth wheel, it didn't make any sense. 
Because let's be real, RVs are toys. So yeah, there's a lot of people in the used market. There's a lot of people going, okay, you know what? Maybe 45 grand is too much money. That's perfect. That's beautiful. You're not the $500 a month person. You're the $300 a month person, the $250 a month person. So if you don't want to buy a small little trailer that's brand new for under 200 bucks and you'd rather go for something that's a little older but a little bigger, there's stuff out there. And and prices have gone down. The prices have gone down to reasonability. And by the way, side note, if you have a trade or you have something you're trying to sell and it's been on the market for more than six months, you have it priced too high. But I owe too much more than that. Well, write a check. Get out of it. I can't afford to write a check. Okay, give it back to the bank. That's how simple this business really is. That's how simple this lifestyle really is. I Right now, if you're watching this on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok, I'm doing this in my bedroom of my fifth wheel. We live full time in our fifth wheel. It gives us a lot of freedom. My job gives me a lot of freedom. And I was asked the other day, I got, I got a great question from somebody. I was saying, well, would you ever go back to the dealership lot? Yeah. If I absolutely had to, I'd go back and work for a dealership. Hands down. No problem. And there may be a time, maybe sooner than later, the way things are going, that I might have to do that. You know, the good news is, and this is the other thing that most folks don't realize, you don't know if you like something until you give it a chance. A lot of people say, well, I'd rather rent first before I buy. That's a great idea. You know how many rental companies there are? Shout out to my boy at Coyote RV Sales and Rentals. Shout out to my brother at JS uh, RV Sales in San Diego and Santee. They're rental companies. There's good rental companies out there that you go, wow, you know what? I'm only going to do this once a year. God, a thousand bucks for a weekend, twelve hundred bucks for a weekend. That's half the money of owning one plus insurance. But if I'm going to go four and five times a year, God, I should look into buying one. The point is, is not to, not to get you guys all riled up or pissed off or upset. The point is, is to give you the right information because there's just too much bad information out there. There's too much information that is clickbait information. There's too much, too many people trying desperate to make money on YouTube and TikTok and stuff like that, that their agenda is not necessarily the correct information. 
I've used a lot of people like Josh the RV nerd as a prime example of somebody that is good to listen to. But there are others out there that just, it's like, really? I mean, did they really just say that? Nutty. Absolutely nutty. Now, what I will say is at least a lot of you have realized what horse manure it really is. Just like when I get asked, oh, there's zero down programs in the RV business. Don't put any money down. Why would you do that? You're going to pay for it at some point. I had an old saying I told customers, fine, if you want to put zero down, on the actual RV, whether you're buying a travel trailer or a boat or a motorcycle or, you know, a dirt bike, a side-by-side, whatever it may be, a travel trailer. If you want to put zero down on the actual purchase price, go for it. There's no harm in that, okay? You're going to end up upside down in it, but I would rather pay interest on the purchase price of the trailer then pay interest on sales tax and license fees and any of the equipment you might need. Like if you need a brake controller, if you need a weight distribution hitch. So my always thing is put at, get at least all your accessories paid for and pay your tax and license. I don't care if there's a program out there for zero down or not. It's different than a car. I'd rather have you pay interest over a 10-year loan or 12-year loan just on the trailer than paying on the trailer, the sales tax, the license, the hitch, the brake control. If you upgraded the solar, if you upgraded any accessories into the purchase price, just slap a credit card down or write a check or give them cash. Because there's more, there's better programs out there through every financial institution if you're putting down payments. Even if it's just to cover tax and license. Even if it's just to cover tax, license, the hitch, and the brake control. Or in a motorhome, maybe maybe the, uh, the extra solar. Or maybe the extra batteries you want to put into it. So whatever, it's the best piece of advice I can get anybody being an ex-finance manager. Being someone that has processed these loans. I've had better luck because at some point you're going to pay the piper. So would you rather pay the piper with the the Vic, the Vic or the interest? Or would you rather pay the piper up front and just worry about what you're going to actually owe on the actual trailer or the actual boat or motorhome? You know, so if you're purchasing a trailer right now for, let's say, $30,000, make sure the loan is for $30,000. You know, now obviously there's not going to be room for negotiation too much, guys. A lot of these guys are are pricing their stuff so aggressively, there's no real room to work. So if you got, let's say you're in California and you're at sales tax and license, that's usually about 12% of the purchase price. So let's call it 3,200 bucks. And then you get a hitch and a brake control, that's probably another thousand. So that's 4,200. Write the check for the $4,200. 
and then finance the 30. Finance what the purchase price of the trailer is. <clears throat> if you're buying a boat, you know, pay cash for the trailer part of the purchase. Because, you know, they always, they don't come together, right? So you have to buy the boat and the trailer. Pay for the trailer up front. Only finance whatever the boat value is. So if the boat's, a, you know, $50,000, you know, between the trailer and all the accessories, all the fees that you got to pay the government, pay those out of pocket. Finance the 50. Because you're either going to write that check now or you're going to write that check later. You're going to write that check now or you're going to write a bigger check later. Which one would you rather do, right? That's what I always say. Like, I always looked at it like, look, man, you can't. No one's going to pay your government fees for you. Nobody's going to write a check to Gavin Newsom for you. Nobody's going to write a check to Ron DeSantis for you. Right? So you're, you're going to have to come up with a plan to have some down payment. It's better to have 10% down than zero. It's better to have the money to cover everything but the purchase price of the trailer than it is to have zero. An ideal world, and this is ideal, is you pay the depreciation up front too. Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to do a long-form content video on this later this month on the regular channel, HBRV Lifestyle, and why I would pay the depreciation up front. So a lot of times, like right now, um, I, I just, I've been looking at big-ticket item purchases and I explained to a, a, a young man, I stopped at a dealership and, you know, I know the kid, good kid. And, uh, you know, he was like, well, you know, I can work better and, and work it better and probably get him uh, a little bit better. Um, uh, just terms and everything if I just take the 17 grand down, which is 10%. And I go, buddy, what? The guy wants to put forty-five grand down. And he goes, yeah. I say, take the forty-five grand, because here's the interesting part: if you take all of his money right now, he's not going to pay interest on the depreciation. So he's going to cover sales tax and license, and then he's got thirty more percent down on top of it. So instead of financing the full purchase price of this fifth wheel. He's only going to finance about 20% less. So roughly about 30 grand less. So he's going to finance around 120 instead of 150. So when he's ready to move on from it, let's say five years from now, He's ready to move on from it, whether he's done with the RV, you know, the RV lifestyle or whether he wants to trade up or whether he just wants to sell it. You have a better shot of getting him out of it <clears throat> and him being happy about it because he's paid less interest. He's not as buried in it. You have a better shot of making that a lifetime customer than you do if you go, well, I can do it with less money. Because what are you going to do with the rest? I'm going to blow it. We all do. When you save a certain amount of money to do something, you're going to spend it. It's human nature. 
We only have one life to live. Not all of us go on conservative talk radio and listen to how, well, you know, you got to pay off your house and you got to pay off your credit cards and don't spend any money. Most of us are like, man, we got 75 years on this earth. If we're lucky. How many of those are good years? I'm almost to 40. How many good years do I have left? 25? Especially as hard as I rode the, the horse for a while. If I take good care of myself the rest of my life, maybe I'll get 30 more years out of it. So that's 30 more, vaca- 30 more summers, 30 more Christmases, 30 more falls. What am I going to do if I have a $10,000 in the account that I saved for a vacation, but you know what? You only have to spend five. Oh, really? What am I going to do with the other five? Let's see. I got this project I could do, or I could put a down payment on a new car. I mean, there's just like, we don't have that magical pill where if we're living 200, 300 years, yeah, taking less money from the guy makes sense. But if you take the full down payment, you make the customer happy overall. Most people don't realize that. Consumers, you don't realize that. The more you put down, the happier you're going to be when you get ready to sell, trade, or get rid of your boat, your travel trailer, your fifth wheel, so on and so forth. So just remember that, okay? Why do I put zero down on a car? Because a car can write down the depreciation. I can't write down depreciation on an RV. You can't. That's the difference, folks. Everybody goes, why do you put zero down on your cars? Why does your videos always say that you would put zero down on a car? Well, that's because I can write down the depreciation. They write down the loan of the depreciation. So the more you finance, the, be- the better the tax write-off is. Oh, well, with RVs, you can only write, up, <clears throat> write off the interest. But you can only write it off up to a certain amount. So when you go write off the interest, right, it's not that big of a difference. So the difference between what they're going to pay now versus what they would save on taxes about $200 extra write off a year if they put 17 grand down rather than 45. And the kid goes, how did you do that? So I did the math for him. And he goes, wow. And I said, yeah. Do you know what 200 bucks is on a write-off on a guy's taxes that makes 200 grand a year? A tax guy would just crumble that up and go, yeah, that ain't going to help. We're not even to the standard deduction yet. So stop worrying. Dealers, stop worrying about down pay, you know, getting, oh, I'll take less down. Because then I can make the customer happy. No, make the customer happy. Take the full down payment. So that way when it comes time that you get the opportunity to get them out of it and into something else, they're happy about it. Last thing, guys. Last thing about, and this this I'm going to talk about for about 20 minutes. Folks. The rain and the weather has been garbage, but beautiful at the same time. So Jenks Lake in California is going to be estimated filled up 
by the end of this year. Everybody give a round of applause. I'm going to do a separate episode on this uh, next week. <clears throat> I'm going to try to get to Jenks Lake next week or the week after once they plant some trout. Um, first of all, I, I, I think that everybody needs to realize that this is going to be probably the most crowded, obnoxious, amazing camping season ever. And if you haven't bought your travel trailer yet, or you haven't bought your motorhome yet, or whatever you're going to do, if it's a tent, or if it's a tent trailer, or if it's a truck camper, whatever it is, if you are not already prepared for it, and you don't already have your reservations, and you haven't bought your rig yet, you're going to be way behind everybody else. We're on April 16th. If you do not own what you're going to use this summer, you're in big trouble, because there is a there, it is going to be probably one of the prettiest, one of the most amazing camping seasons that we've seen since probably El Nino 2012. Or is it 13? One of the two. I can't, I get them mixed up. Let me put it this way Lake Sabrina, up in the Bishop, California area, announced that they're not opening to Memorial Weekend. Because it's so snowed and so iced over. There are parts of the eastern Sierras, the western Colorado Rockies, and the Appalachian Mountains that are not going to open because there's, the weather has been so extreme and there's been so much snowpack and so much water and so much. They're, they're just, they haven't been able to get up there yet to get ready. It's not like, okay, the rain stopped. Let's turn on the, the let's turn, unlock everything and let everybody in. No, they need to get the campsites ready. They got to get them cleaned up. They got to make sure that, you know, the roads are in the proper condition. They have to have all the reports. They have to know what's coming. They have to look a week, two weeks into the future. Are we going to have another blizzard? Is it, is the ground warm enough where the snow's not going to stick anymore? Is there not going to be mudslides? There is a lot of preparation that normally a lot of these places do in March that they could not do and still are not able to do until about three to four days ago. There's preparation involved. So you, you, you got to get your rig. If, if you haven't done it already, I'm telling you folks, if you have not gone out and bought your rig whether you're buying a boat you're buying a motorhome you're buying a travel trailer toy hauler etc it doesn't matter if you have not bought it yet you better get your button gear because it's coming down to the time where reservations are going to fill up that quick and what they're going to do folks is there were folks out there that made reservations for late march april late April, that are having to cancel or be rescheduled because places are not ready because of snow. The tr Great example, guys, the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains, the majority of the towns, the majority of the lakes, the majority of the rivers, the majority of everything are holding off opening day. They're like, you guys can show up, but we're not going to have any boats available. We're not going to have any campgrounds open. We're not going to have anything done. So if you guys show up, come on out, but no, you're, you're coming out. We're not prepared. You're not going to be able to camp. Big Pine Campground, shut down. We'll open up 
second to third week of May. Barton Flats is not open totally yet. I just talked to Bob Holland today. Or yesterday, I'm sorry. Not quite open yet. First, second week of May, they'll be up and running. They're a month behind because of weather. So everybody's, oh, we're going to wait till the weather's done. Man, you guys just don't understand. Everybody's, oh, well, you know, it's been raining outside. and We just don't know when the rain's going to stop. Who cares when the rain's going to stop? Go get your RV. Go get your boat. Summer's coming. It's going to be here in a snap, and you're going to be way behind going, well, you know, we'll just wait till next year. You know, I'm pretty sure interest rates are going to go down. You'll use the interest rate thing as an excuse. Stop making excuses. How many more summers do you have? If you're 55 plus years old, how many summers do you have left where you're going to feel like doing this? These are toys. This is not an investment like, oh, we're going to open up a restaurant, but I'm going to wait until restaurant food prices go down before I open it because I'll lose money. Okay. That's an income thing. That's something that brings you income. This is a toy. This is like you going out and getting that project car that you spend $30,000 on over a three-year period and you just didn't care how much it was going to cost you. You just wanted to rebuild it. It was going to be fun to rebuild that car. It's like that midlife crisis sports car, that Corvette you went and bought. Do you really think you needed a Corvette to go to work and back? Did you really need that Ferrari or that BMW? No. Did you even look at the price tag or look at the interest rate when it was all said and done? No. You looked at one time, thought you were big and bad negotiating the deal, because I sure in the heck feel big and bad when I negotiate my car deals, and then you got in your car and you started up and this big smile came on your face and you're like, yeah, baby, I forgot to figure out how much insurance is going to be, but yeah, baby, I'm going to do this. People need to treat RVs the same way. The only difference is with an RV of any kind, even if it's a boat, even if it's a motorhome, even if it's a sand rail or a sand car, it is meant for us to get out of our crap lives that we live every single day with that neighbor that annoys us, that boss that we're ready to just throw in the towel. Your wife's upset. Your kids are always on the computer and the tablet playing on social media or playing video games. It's that moment of triumph where everybody, you can actually go, everybody leave your crap at home, everything. Leave your negativity, your video games, your social media, leave it at home. We're going on a boat on Lake Havasu or we're going on a boat at Lake Michigan for the next three days. That's why I bought this thing. Because we're going to go enjoy ourselves. We're going to go build memories. We're going to get our. We're going to remind ourselves that fresh air and tons of fun doesn't always happen within a laptop or a cell phone. And that's what it's about. Whew. As always, folks, just remember this: RV stands for toolkit and sense of humor. Have a good one.